My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. It's time for today's travel and cruise industry news. With the latest from travel and cruises around the world, here's your host, Chili Falls. Hey, good morning and welcome to uh, Thursday Travel and Cruise Industry News Podcast. We got a special guest this morning that I'm really excited about. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, and but welcome to the uh, the podcast on this 22nd day of February 2024. Coming to you from Bedford County, Virginia, Central Virginia area. A little cool outside right now. It's in the, like 43 to 44 degrees, but it's going up in the 60s today, folks. I mean, that's almost warm enough for me to get out and suntan. Well, no, it's not. Gonna be a nice day today. All right, guys, we got a couple of serious things we got to get to first. Number one, today's National Margarita Day. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and those of you that have listened to me or watched me for over the years know that that's a You guys can have the tequila. You guys can have the margarita. I'll have a pina colada or my bourbon or about anything else. But no, 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 on the, on the tequila. You guys are going to have to take care of that for me. Anyway, have a margarita today. Or if you're like me, don't have a margarita today and say you did. Okay. If you're listening via the podcast, welcome aboard. You can always access the podcast via my blog, which is accessadventure.net or wherever you get your podcast from. Just search for travel and cruise industry news and up pops the fat travel guy. If you're listening by the podcast and want to jump over to the video feed, there's always a link in the description so you can do just that. All right, so a special guest today, uh, Fernando Diaz with Quasar Expeditions down in the Galapagos Islands. He was born and raised in the Galapagos. Galapagos, come on, tongue, Galapagos Islands, uh, and is, you know, an expert in that area. He's uh, is the, the new generation. Uh, his parents, I guess, started the company, so he literally grew up in the travel industry. Um, he's got three kids. I didn't get a chance to ask him when we were chatting in the green room. He's got a absolutely beautiful English accent. I was expecting uh, a much, a lot more uh, Equatorian dialect, uh, but he's yes, beautiful English accent. So we'll have to ask him how he, where he learned to speak English so well. But anyway, <laughs> heck with the silliness. Let me let me introduce Fernando. Fernando, welcome to. The Travel and Cruise Industry News Podcast from Galapagos. Where did you get such a beautiful English accent? Hi, Chile. Well, first of all, thanks for having me here. Um, I Well, it's an American English accent. Uh, I studied in an American school back in Ecuador, and then I went to college in the U.S. Um, ah. And I basically, you know, my day-to-day -day work is all in English. I only speak Spanish at home. Um, it's kind of my, the, the time where, where I get to practice my native tongue. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's how I learned it. Um, 
And yeah, that's why I don't really have an Ecuadorian accent when I speak. Okay. Your kids, are they bilingual? They speak both English and they are. Yes. Spanish? Yes. It is Spanish down there. It's Spanish, yes. They're yeah. they're very young, so they're still learning. My oldest is six, um, but she's got it down, and they, they are only allowed to watch TV in English. That's a rule in my house. <laughs> so very good. they get to you know practice Spanish at school and with their friends. Um, when they watch anything on TV, it's in English to help them practice with their accent. I, I feel like, at least for me, it has been uh, a big advantage not to have an accent. It, it, it eliminates some biases and barriers and it just, it's worked out well. So uh, yeah, I'm hoping the same for them. All right. So give me a, uh, a quick explanation of Quasar Expeditions, what you do, where you do it, all that stuff. Perfect. So we are a family-owned travel company. Um, it was started by my two parents, Dolores and Eduardo Diaz, back in 1986. Uh, Quays are actually pioneered high-end yacht cruising in the Galapagos Islands uh, almost 40 years ago. Um, there was one other operation there, but it was a large boat with you know, common bathrooms. They, they didn't have private facilities. It didn't have air conditioning. And uh, my parents, they went to Galapagos and they said, you know, this is such a wonderful place. They did a tour on that boat. But it, you have to, there has to be a way to experience it in a little bit more comfort. Um, and so that was the start of it. And Quasar pioneered high-end cruising with always intimate ships in the Galapagos. And it's very important to make this distinction that when we're talking intimate in Galapagos, it's very small. Like our smallest yacht is for 16 guests and the largest one is for 32. And in Galapagos, the largest ship size is only 100. So while the companies, you know, that are names you may know, Celebrity or Silver Sea, that have a 100 passenger ship, and they refer to that as their intimate experience, in Galapagos, a ship of that size is the equivalent of the 1,000 passenger ships on other destinations. So in Galapagos, it's all about the intimacy. And that's what we've been all about, you know, small groups exploring the islands like Darwin did many centuries ago in close contact with nature, with expert guides who, you know, literally know you by name and um, that can give you the time you need to experience Galapagos the way you want. So uh, that's what we've been doing for the last 38 years. Um, I joined the company shortly after graduating from college, as did my two brothers. Um, I have an older brother and a younger brother. They're both in the company as well. And we're the second generation now running this beautiful business. Awesome. Speaking of, uh, of experts, I did pull that off of uh, your Facebook page. <laughs> That's Christine. She's one of your, uh, your guides, I think. Yes. Okay, so um, the number one, I have never been in your part of the world. Uh, that's a bucket list for me. One of these days, I'm going to get down there. I am a huge fan of Alaska, primarily because of the, well, not primarily because of the beautiful scenery, too, but mostly because of the wildlife. I just, I'm totally fascinated with Alaska. Uh, cruising and traveling. Tell me about the wildlife experiences in the Galapagos. Excellent. Well, Alaska is an excellent example. I would say, Chile, that most people who have enjoyed an Alaskan cruise will definitely enjoy a Galapagos cruise. The untouched or primitive nature of the wildlife in Galapagos is incredible. Um, these are remote destinations, so you won't find, you know, a Marriott um, in these national parks, uh, the same as with Alaska. And, you know, really what brings people to the Galapagos is these up-close and personal wildlife encounters that you see every day. And um, a lot of people, you know, after they visit the Galapagos, their comment is, you know, how 
different Galapagos wildlife is from anywhere in the world. But when you think about it, wildlife in Galapagos is like wildlife once was everywhere in the world, you know, not afraid of humans. We didn't invade their habitat. We didn't try to hunt them or, and so really when you disembark on an island in Galapagos, the first impression that people have is the fact that the animals won't move when you approach them. Birds that are literally nesting on the trails and you have to step over them and they'll just look at you without getting up from their nests. And the sea lions are all over the place and um, it's not allowed by the Galapagos National Park, but you can literally pet every single animal in the Galapagos if it were allowed, right? You have to stay two meters. um, That would be about six, seven feet. Yeah, from from the animals, that's the distance that is required by the park. But the wildlife sometimes approaches you. Sometimes, you you know, you're sunbathing in one of these islands and you got to get up because the sea lion wants your towel and they'll just lay on your towel and just (laughs) got to wait for them to, you know, be through and and then, you know, uh, probably use another towel that doesn't smell like fish. Um, But it's, it's experiences like that that are really, you know, leave people in awe when they visit the Galapagos. And not only, you know, sea lions, but penguins, the giant tortoises, the wildlife there is so extraordinary and so strange. And when I say strange, it's many animals that you're familiar with from the continent have evolved and adapted in Galapagos in a way that makes it totally different. Like the the tortoises, they are, their relatives is, you know, a small land tortoise, in the continent that is maybe, you know, the size of your laptop computer. And in Galapagos, they have grown to be, you know, to weigh as much as, you know, 700 pounds. And so these gigantic animals had no predators and they were allowed to live completely in touch and evolve in Galapagos in a way that got them to that size. And each island has a different species of tortoise because, you know, the ones that were that found the food on the ground, their shells are dome shaped. And the ones that had food like up on the trees, their shells are like saddle shaped to help them stretch their necks. And so you, you really see evolution at work. And that part to me is fascinating in every island that you visit. I got, I got to ask a question and it's, it's probably not the answer that I would want, but I have to ask it anyway. I'm disabled. On your small ships, is there any accommodation for uh, folks with disabilities? That's a great question, Chile. Um, and yes and no. So while, you know, on the ships, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Chris Waddell. He's a, a Paralympian sit skier, and he also does uh, wheelchair track events. Uh, he came on the Evolution with us. Uh, we made sure, you know, that uh, he was in one of the cabins on the main deck. But the more than anything, more than the ships, which do have accessibility, you know, for disabled people on the actual uh, infrastructure and the cabins and the social areas, the islands is what is a problem. So the the, the places where you disembark are not always easily accessible. You have wet landings where you have to disembark on the beach and you have dry landings on these slippery terrains. But um, Chris was able to do, I would say, about 80% um, of the activities, which was amazing. And the time that he didn't get off the ship, you know, he spent it admiring, you know, the great scenery. So I would say, you know, that not all Galapagos operators are equipped or ready to welcome guests with certain physical disabilities. But Definitely check. Quasar is one of these companies. The larger ships on that respect do have a little bit more flexibility because the spaces are larger and things like that. But um, definitely check and, and uh, you know, and just talk with uh, the, the, the tour company of your interest and let them know. Well, that his percentage of what he was able to do is way better than mine. Because <laughs> when I first get on a cruise, and I cruise a lot. Um, I do accessibility studies on ships for the cruise lines. And the 
the first day I'm on the ship, I almost immediately, once I board, I go to the excursion desk and say, okay, what do you have available for me in a chair uh, at any of the ports? And quite often I walk away with nothing. So, uh, but yeah. And yeah. then of course, and you get into, to, uh, tender ports and then you have to you know handle a tender boat and is the tender boat then accessible so yeah exactly it's, it is not you know he did it, chris did have uh quite a bit of help from her crew but we're happy we were happy to put you know two three additional crew members to help him disembark and then on the island it wasn't such an issue um but yes i would definitely encourage for example you chile if you're interested to to speak, you know, whether it's with Quasar or with a company, we we talk about exactly what the limitations are and, and we figure it out. But I am a firm believer that regardless of um, the disability, you know, it should that should not be a barrier to visit the Galapagos Islands. And the Quasar, yeah, we try as hard as we can to, to welcome I'm them. perfectly happy just to sit on the boat and <laughs> just look at things too, so... I mean, yeah, I like to get out and do things. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, I could be happy doing that as well. All right. Now, I'm sure you can't tell uh, from the TV screen, but I'm a big fat guy. So food is extraordinarily important to me. Um, tell me about your food service on this, on your uh, Great question. Yeah, many. We do find that many cruisers are foodies. Um we take people, you know, you're visiting the Galapagos Islands, which belong to the country of Ecuador. And although a lot of our competition, they, they offer like fine dining, you know, French food and international cuisine. I want to take you on a journey through Galapagos and Ecuador when you're sitting on the table. And uh, that is extremely important because there are so many flavors to be discovered in Ecuador that one week with us in the Galapagos is not nearly enough to discover them all, but we do our best to help you get a taste of the best ones. Um, Ecuador has over 60 varieties of potatoes, just potatoes alone. And of course, we don't give you potatoes all day, right? But we make you try the strangest ones, the ones that are like purple or black or, you know, fluorescent green, things like that, that have very unique tastes. Um, and take you on this journey uh, where you get to taste food that you haven't before. And it's delicious, you know, tropical being on the tropic, right. Sorry, right on the equator. Ecuador has these wonderful tropical fruits that are available year round that are fantastic. So the fruits and the juices, we always get complimented on that. Uh, Galapagos of course has amazing fish, always fresh fish, always purchased from fishermen who we know abide by, sustainability, specific sustainability guidelines in the Galapagos. So it's always sustainably sourced, very thoughtfully prepared by our chefs who are conservators themselves. And they do realize that, you know, we are a big part of the problem of, you know, perhaps global warming with our, our the way we consume food and types of foods that we consume. But in Galapagos, it's about this nourishing experience, very healthy food, but very delicious also. Um, and, you know, for anybody traveling with a family um, that it may be listening to this, don't think that, you know, your kids are going to get served the same thing you do and they'll hate the 60 varieties of potatoes and things like that. We cater to even the most picky eaters as long as you let us know um, what your requirements are, if there are any dietary restrictions or whether somebody wants, you know, needs kosher, um, we we can cater to, to everybody. But the, just to summarize, this is almost as important as what, as what happens off the ship, the experience that you get of Ecuador and the ingredients in Ecuador and the Galapagos um, when you're sitting down at the table. If someone wants to come to Galapagos and take a, do you call them a cruise? Do you call them a tour? In at Quasar, we call them safari style yacht adventures. Safari, okay. Yeah, it is like an African safari, except you're it's a floating safari. 
but you're moving from point A to point B, seeing the wonderful wildlife. Uh, but in the industry, it's referred to as expedition cruising. That's the, the specific niche. Okay. What kind of mistakes do people make that come down there? That's a great question. And as a matter of fact, one of our lead magnets on our site is five critical mistakes to avoid when booking a cruise to the Galapagos Islands. So I know these by memory. And so these are the top five. The first is, you know, booking your air because you're taking advantage of a discount from the airline, right? So most people, they see, for example, Latam Airlines that has flights out to the Galapagos or Avianca have this great discount to get there and you book. And when you start figuring out what cruise fits with those dates, you end up, you know, with a conclusion that none of them do. So you, you spend more to change it or you go to the Galapagos and you end up doing an experience that wasn't ideal for you because you book your air prematurely. So I, uh, you know, if you want to get an amazing Galapagos experience, definitely be careful with that. The, the second one is that in Galapagos, you won't find crowds unless you bring the crowds with you. And by this, we mean, you know, booking on the larger ships. Most of the visitor sites in Galapagos are pristine. They're very small. They're very intimate. Um, and when you disembark with 100 passengers, there may be, you know, two or three sea lion pups that are ready to play with you. And you don't want to be fighting, you know, with the crowd to look over somebody's shoulder to look at the sea lion. And the thing with our trips, it's, it's groups of 16, um, one group on the Grace and only two groups on the Evolution. So you have front row seats with you. Um, the third one is actually to know which Galapagos you want to visit. There are two ways to actually see the Galapagos, which is on a hotel or on a cruise. And while many people think, you know, oh, I might get a little seasick. So maybe not with your audience, Chile, they're all big cruisers. But um, people often think that, you know, by staying in a hotel in Galapagos, you eliminate the seasickness factor. and That's completely wrong because... To get to any of the visitor sites around the inhabited ports in Galapagos, you have to take these day boats. And, you know, going on a two-hour boat ride on these small uh, little boats, you know, is a lot rougher than actually sailing on the yacht. So you can get really, really seasick on these day boats. Um, and the fact that 97% of the Galapagos National Park is uh, a national park off-limits to uh, inhabited population centers. So only 3% of the Galapagos are areas where you can actually have a hotel. So when you stay at a hotel, you only really have access to this 3% of the park and you're missing out on a big part of it. So that definitely um, is another mistake. And then, you know, one of the final ones is, um, you know, the, the group of people that you choose to travel with. And this has a lot to do with the type of company that you choose and the intimate companies with a lot of experience that focus on the expedition will attract people who put the Galapagos experience, what happens off the ship as the number one priority. So you have people who really care about the expedition experience. who are not focused on the amenities on board and they, they are going for the boat rather than what happens off the boat. In Galapagos, we like to say it's not about the boat, but the boat has to be about the Galapagos. And that is what Quasar is all about. Our ships are fantastic, extremely comfortable, great food, like we talked about. You won't have any issues with the ship, right? But our focus is on the expedition. And that leads me to the final point, which is the naturalist guides. Um, these guys, and you've experienced this yourself, I'm sure, Chile, that a guide is the difference between a good and an exceptional trip. Oh, yeah. And while I always say that Galapagos puts on a show for everybody, it is the guide who has the access to these front row seats, right? It is the guide who knows the place where the seahorses hang out when you're snorkeling so you can see them or who knows where the penguins are uh, so you can make sure to snorkel with penguins. Or if you want to see iguanas feeding underwater at noon, which is when the national park actually allows you to go snorkeling, they are out 
catching the rays, the strongest rays of the sun because they're cold blooded reptiles. So they need the sun. So if you want to see them feeding, you got to go at 10 or at two and only the best guides know these things. So they can give you access to the most wonderful uh, wildlife encounters. And um, the truth is that only the most experienced and the companies with longest trajectories attract these level three naturalist guys, which is the highest certification level attainable by the guy. So those are five things to keep in mind if you want to have great galactic experience. Do, what is your percentage of business? Uh, I would assume U.S. is a major portion of your business. Yes. Uh, okay. The the U.S. at least for Quasar represents around seventy percent of our business, and in the Galapagos as a destination itself, um, North America, so U.S. and Canada represent sixty six percent of the okay. tourism to Galapagos. So there's, I just want to bring one piece of information here. There is this time of year in Galapagos that they call, most companies call it low season, we call it secret season. And the reason for that is it's September, October, and November, which are the three months following the big summer vacations in North America. Yeah. It, it has nothing to do with weather or wildlife migration or anything like that. Galapagos is not really seasonal. It's just the fact that there is less demand because North America represents 66% of the market. And that's not the best time of year for Americans to travel. So. Those the people who know that will surpass or you know not pay attention to the low season name and actually go at a time of year when there are less crowds. Often there are discounts because there is less demand. You still have great weather. You'll see all the wildlife, but it is you know a great time to go. So if you is have your, flexibility, that's when I would go. Is your climate there? It's not very seasonal. It's more year-round climate. Exactly. Because the islands are on the equator, we don't have four seasons in Ecuador and Galapagos, only two seasons. And in Galapagos, it's known as the Garua season and then the regular season. And in Garua, you have this slight mist and rain, but only in the highlands. So only when you go to excursions, like going to see the tortoises in the wild, maybe you'll have to wear a raincoat at certain times of the year. But in the lowlands um, or in the coast, it's a marine arid climate and it's pretty much the same all year. So it, regardless of when you go, you'll have fantastic weather in the Galapagos. That's pretty awesome. All right. So this is one of your boats from a satellite, I would say. <laughs> Almost from a drone. <laughs> oh, it's a drone that's that high. Yeah. Goodness. But that, what you see there, Chile, is the incredible formations. You know, these yeah. are volcanic islands that were born out of a, a hot spot in the middle of the ocean. So the same as Hawaii. Um, and they've had millions of years for like erosion to take effect, wind, water, uh, sun, all of that. And that's why you get those majestic landscapes. All right. Here was another one that just, I saw this and I said, what am I looking at? Yeah, that is an old um, dormant crater that has filled with with water. And um, at one point, you know, it was probably submerged. And then as, you know, water levels decreased, you, you got that lake in the middle that will eventually dry up. But that's a, a volcanic crater. It was spewing lava you know, you know, maybe a couple thousand years ago. Uh, but the great thing in Galapagos, you know, the oldest islands are 4 million years old. and The youngest islands are only years old because they're still erupting. It's not uncommon to actually visit the Galapagos and see a volcanic eruption. It's sim similar to Hawaii. All right. And I, and I want to put you on the spot. <laughs> but I know you're a high-end venue in the travel industry. What would be an average cost for two people to come down? And I, 
what's the average length of your expeditions and a, a, a bucket list rough idea on cost? Perfect. That's a great question. And I have some good answers for everybody listening to this, regardless of, you know, their budget. So the first thing to keep in mind is that, you know, getting to Galapagos is a multi-leg travel event and often, you know, involves high costs, right? So whether it's airfare plus the cruise or the hotel or, um, so going for an amount of time that is too short is a big mistake that people often make. And so in Galapagos, when Quasar started, there was only one flight out to the islands. So our cruises were one week long because there was only one flight for people to get in and one flight one week later to get out. We realized though, when there were multiple flights going out to the islands, that one week is the minimum duration for to get a great Galapagos experience, right? And actually, you know, for Americans, most of them take vacations one week at a time. So it actually worked out really well with our main market. Um, but the thing is, you know, the Galapagos are spread out and there is so much to see and do there that one week is the minimum amount of time. So regardless of whether you go on a budget cruise or in a luxury cruise, if, you know, you can afford it, definitely do the week-long cruises. The shorter cruises are, of course, less expensive, but often they only focus on the central islands to avoid you know, to avoid saving on fuel costs. And also because they're short, they need to go back to port. Um, but in those cruises, by the time you're all getting settled in and enjoying yourself, it's time to go. And that's a big mistake. that people make. So uh, in terms of duration, one week, the minimum. And for us, we call it, you know, the uh, ultimate Galapagos itinerary. It's the two week trip. So it's two back-to-back itineraries that are totally different from one another. Um, and that in that in those 15 days, you maximize your chances to see these wildlife encounters. You see the best of Galapagos. And if, if, you know, you can afford a 15-day trip, you'll leave, you know, just mesmerized by what you see on a two-week trip, right? But we do realize that most people don't have 15 days or, or the money for a 15-day trip. So one week is the minimum. And then as it refers to cost, um, one important thing to note about Galapagos is that because it's such a remote destination where most of the cargo is actually sent via ship, um, salaries are more expensive there. The cost of living is, you know, they don't have um, electricity plants, so they, they need to bring in fuel for the generators. So everything's more expensive. So that brings up the cost. for So even budget cruises, a budget cruise in Galapagos can cost anywhere between $200 and $300 per person per day. All right. So this is the lowest end of the scale. And then luxury cruises, like the ones we offer, they cost around $700 to up to $1,200 per person per day. So one of our um, seven night, eight day trips in the Galapagos can cost, depending on the cabin that you book, from around $8,000 per person for the week, all the way up to $12,000 per person for the week, um, depending on, you know, the cabin that you book. So that's general, you know, rec rates. Yeah. Not during the secret season or any discounts. Right, Those are, right. yeah, but it's an uh, expensive destination. Do you have any kind of special deals for solo travelers or do they pay double? No, they don't pay double depending on the time of year that they travel. For example, during the secret season, um, instead of paying, uh, it's a 75% premium for the suites and then a 50% premium for the regular suites. Uh, depending on the time of year that you travel, it can go as low as a zero uh, additional cost or around 25. So we do have specials. And, you know, it, now that you bring this up, Chile, I'd really like to offer anybody who you know, listens to this podcast. If you just call our people and say, you know, I heard about you on Chile's cruises, uh, we'd be happy to extend an additional discount for them, regardless of the cost. Wow, that's that's awesome. 
I will certainly see if I can't get some people to to get a hold of you. <laughs> so, all right, I I can't thank you. This is wonderful, uh, and I hope maybe we can do this again sometime and and get. Yeah, maybe we'll aim in on a specific area and really do a in-depth kind of thing. Because uh, back here behind me, that's that's Tina Turtle. She whispers in my ear all the time, and she says, "You got to have this guy back." So, yeah, and you got you got to come back. So, I'd be happy to. Whether you want to talk about you know the wildlife or conservation in Galapagos, sustainability issues. One important thing about the Galapagos is you know when people go there and they take a week long cruise, oftentimes they are not in contact with the the problems that a, a remote destination like that has with like overpopulation waste management and things like that. And so it's also important to bring, uh, shed some light on those issues because people who travel with Fraser, at least, they become conservators for the region. They they help keep the, the place pristine. And uh, it's important to, as a traveler, that you demand that your dollars go a longer way, that you work with the companies that help preserve the islands, that, that support sustainability initiatives, that uh, support the local community. Man, you got I'm a responsibility too. I'm as all behind everything you guys are doing down there. That's just awesome. Excellent. I wish more people in the world were more like you guys. I'll tell you that. Well, we're trying to set a good example in Galapagos. Hopefully, many operators follow. All right, Fernando. Thank you so much for doing this, and we'll do it again sometime. You're welcome, Julie. It's it. been been a pleasure being here. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Thanks again, Fernando. Thank you. All right. Sure. So that was my special guest this morning. If I can figure out how to do this, I got the wrong hand going. My special guest from Quasar Expeditions down in the Galapagos. All right. I'll be back with one news story after a quick break from one of our network sponsors. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. All right, guys. I'm trying to get. Uh, <laughs> I got to get my fingers going. I've got the wrong side, uh, wrong the, the wrong hand going in the wrong direction. All right, there we go. All right, so a uh, news story today, and this I should have known more about this, folks. And I was really shocked when I kind of. Did a deep dive on this this morning. 17 years has passed since the MSC diamond owned by Lewis Helnick Cruises sank off the coast of Santorini, leaving the memory of a dev devastating accident and an ongoing environmental crisis. The ship sank after running aground on a reef and now lies as a silent but deadly threat to the Greek islands Caldera. The incident led to the tragic loss of two lives and the rescue of 1,100 passengers also raised concerns about its long-term environmental impact. A significant portion of the over 500 metric tons of diesel and oil uh, originally on board uh, remains with deteriorating fuel tanks of the sunken abandoned vessel. MSC Diamond, a vessel that sank on April 5th, is still at the bottom of Santorini Santorini Caldera, following years of inactivity and infighting between the vessel's owner, insurance company, the European Union, and the Greek government. 
course, anytime you get politicians involved in things, it's going to get screwed up. The wreckage to this day is loaded with heavy fuel oils, lubricants, and other hazardous materials, possesses a significant risk to the marine ecosystem and the health of the island's inhabitants. The situation has been worsened by visible traces of oil that surfaced during strong winds, leading to doubts over the current containment measures. An attempt has been made to contain the ongoing oil release by deploying a floating boom. Nonetheless, this strategy has proven to be ineffective, particularly as the boom size has diminished over time. According to the Greek reporter, the spokesperson for the initiative supporting the removal of the wreck uh, stated the following, the shipwreck is located exactly in the caldera of Santorini, around 800 meters from the port. It's sunk in about 100 meters of water. It has 300 tons of fuel oils and other topic chemicals, machine oils, and the generators, wires that are filled with copper, PCB, and plastic that will slowly be diluted in the water over time. If that happens, it will be a huge environmental disaster for the Santorini area. The event led to the extensive legal action and environmental concern out of the 1,195 passengers, 391 crew on board, two passengers are were reported missing and uh, presumed dead. Despite a 2014 court ruling holding the ship's owner accountable for the wreck's removal and associated costs, legal proceedings have seen multiple delays and appeals, leaving the MSC diamond slowly rotting away and becoming ever more dangerous. Folks, this is a ticking time bomb, and nobody's doing anything about it. I hate to tell you, folks, but that sucks. That really sucks. Uh, somebody needs to get on the stick over there and get, especially start getting that the oil and stuff pumped out before it eats through the hull of that's what's left of the ship. Now, anyway, that was the actually the only news story this morning. There wasn't anything else out there in the news. Thank goodness. That one was bad enough. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, oh, yes. I'm sorry, Fernanda. Yes, you can. There's a little X down at the bottom. You can leave. Yeah, I got you. I see you. Uh, I'm sorry. I should have told you that, Eric. There's a little X, red X down at the bottom. You can just click yourself out. <laughs> so, uh, Fernando was sitting there. I was paying attention to the news story, not paying any attention to him. All right, so let's go over and see who's in the chat room today. Uh, if anybody, sh and nobody should be fussing to me today unless I failed to ask a question I should have asked. Mike's with us. Hi, Mike. Katie's here. Hi, Katie. There's Laura here up in Ottawa. Hot Air Tom says, good morning, everybody. Last day of work, uh, at least in the office. Uh, work goes on the cruise off to uh, Richmond International Friday with a 5 a.m. arrival at the airport planned. Yeah, I've done that a couple times. Actually, I kind of like flying out of Richmond early in the morning because it's not so cotton-picking busy. We board the Jade on Sunday. Chili couldn't remember the ship's name yesterday. I know. Sometimes, uh, Tom, I, you know, my uh, tongue gets over my eye teeth and I can't see what I'm saying. Mike says hello to everybody. Safe travels to hot air, Tom. Everyone in the Chili's pool. Yeah, well, it's not open yet because we still got some. Uh, we still got some cold weather coming. Uh, it's going to be cold again this weekend, but at least today and tomorrow it's going to be nice. Emily Brown says hello. That could be a scammer. Chili's cruises must not have seen my message. Her flash. 
Phillips XM60's Gold. Today is also National Chili Day. Ooh, a day for the big guy. Well, no, I didn't know that, hot air Tom. And yes, I didn't see your messages because I've been in studio for some time just in case my guest came in early, sent me some pictures and stuff. So uh, Laura says for you to enjoy your cruise, hot air, Tom. Send some heat and sunshine to Ottawa. There's Joanne says good morning to everybody. There's Steve down in Kentucky. Hi, Steve. Katie, are you familiar with Columbia Restaurant? We have a reservation there in Yabor City tomorrow. Wondering what might be a good item to order. Katie says, very good restaurant. I went to their location in Celebration and St. Augustine. I had a fish dish. There's Robert. Hey, Robert. Good morning to everybody. A Galapagos trip is absolutely a life goal for me. My goodness, since childhood, I agree. Man, despite the issues that I would have, uh, you know, trying to get around on a chair, oh, man, I would love to do something like that. And some of the, the pictures and stuff, their website is just stunning. Absolutely stunning. Uh, oh, she says, Katie says that uh, the restaurant was a long time ago. I, <laughs> she says she doesn't know how good it is now. I thought she was talking about Robert's comment. And I said, Katie, that doesn't make much sense. <laughs> There's Emily up in New York. Hi, Emily. Have a safe flight to Hot Air Tom and a wonderful cruise. And some new heat on the way as well. Have an adult beverage for me. A Long Island iced tea. Thank you for all the well wishes. Yeah, and uh, send pictures, Tom. So we can keep, and, and I know you're going to do something stupid on the trip. So, I mean, you got you to gotta document it. Absolutely got to document it. The Cuban sandwich had me on the menu. I like a good Cuban sandwich, too. Exactly the questions I wanted to hear. Where is Dennis? Whenever I had a Cuban sandwich, I would tell them, no pickles. Yeah, but Emily, you're weird. I like good pickles. Your guest is so interesting. Thank you. I I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, it was so smooth, so easy to to chat with. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't a hard interview for me. It was just turn it on and roll. I mean, that was just oh man, that was just great. I'm seeking for a oh no, that's a. That's a sex bomber. We're not even going to talk about that. Chili has not done interviews in a long time. I haven't done many, that's for sure. Looks like I dropped back in on just the right show. So happy to hear this interview and get Galapagos idea back in my head. <coughs> yeah, I'll call him and use my name. Get a discount. I like that. Joanne says, now I'm interested. <clears throat> Todd's with us. Hello from Michigan. New to the podcast. Great show today. Thank you very much, Todd, and welcome aboard. We do this every day. Uh, feel free to join us Monday through Friday at 11 o'clock. Uh, normally, it's more news than today, although I would really like to get my interview going back again. Uh, that was just, that was, that was such a good interview. It really was. 
Well, looky who's here. There's Mr. Bucket List. How are we doing, Justin, my friend? Uh, we haven't talked for a while. I need to get Mr. Bucket List on one day, too. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, good morning for me. Really good morning. I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, and guys, uh, if you're interested in Galapagos, call Quasar Expeditions. Man, that would be that would be a bucket list for me. So, and I'd I'd undertake the challenge. So, that would be fun. All right, guys, <clears throat> that's going to wrap it up for today. I'll be back here tomorrow. Prior to my rather worrying trip to the pulmonologist tomorrow afternoon. I'm really not looking forward to this one, but yeah, what can you say? Got to do it. So, all right, guys, that's it for today. As always, stay safe, stay healthy. Think about cruising. Hopefully one day soon we'll all get together on the high seas and maybe to the Galapagos Islands. Wouldn't that be awesome? All right, guys, have a fantastic day. See everybody tomorrow. I regularly post videos on all facets of the travel and cruise industry. So if you'd like to keep up with the latest in cruise ships, ports of call, cruises themselves, chilly chats, and travel and cruise industry news, just hit the little subscribe button in the lower right-hand corner. Hit the bell notification so you'll be notified when a new video is up or we go live. This video was produced by Chili's Cruises. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be.